Our scripture reading today comes from Galatians 5, 13 through 17. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing those things you want to do. This is the word of the Lord. Be seated, please. Well, I was uh, recently part of a conversation um, that was about uh, evangelism, about sharing our faith as as believers uh, with other people. And the person sharing said something really, really interesting. And so he was talking about uh, the most important questions our culture is asking and how, how we, the gospel, right, how our, the good news of Jesus answers those questions. And he pointed out that a generation ago, the most important question was, how do I be good? How do I be good? How do I be a good moral person? What does that look like? Uh, and he said, now, today, that question has changed. It's no longer, how do I be good, but how do I be free? How do I be free? How do I live an authentic life with no obstacles, with no boundaries to who I am in my way? And the idea here is that if we can find freedom, then we can find happiness, we can find satisfaction, we can find comfort. If that's true, okay, and if we look at the data, I think we all have to draw the conclusion that, that the pursuit of that kind of freedom really isn't working very well. So Mental Health America is one of the largest nonprofits nationwide, to, and their whole mission is to address and measure and examine the mental health of our country. And they just released their State of the Nation uh, for 2021, and it was not good. And I don't say this to start us off on a bummer note. However, The rates of depression and anxiety and and self-harm ideation and and isolation, of course, all of that skyrocketed uh, during uh, 2020, Uh, but all of those trends were climbing before the pandemic even began. And here's what's crazy to me. This This is amazing to me. That rate, that climb in all of those, right, those negative mental health outcomes, it is true across every age demographic and every ethnicity in our country. Everyone is going. It doesn't matter who you are, how old you are. And the fastest growing demographic in all of these categories is uh, those 18 and under. Our youngest people uh, are suffering the most. The freedom we're looking for, this, this question that as a culture we're trying to answer, it is not working. Okay, Even if you are here and you're skeptical to this whole church thing, this whole Bible thing, Jesus thing, I think we can all agree this, this isn't working. Now, here's what the interesting thing. The Bible, when we come to God's word, the Bible agrees that critical to human flourishing is freedom, 
we do need to be free, to be happy, to live good, good lives, but we cannot set ourselves free. This is what the Bible teaches. We cannot set ourselves free because only the Spirit can set you free. This is what I want us to focus on here this morning. This, this is actually Paul, the Apostle Paul's whole point in the letter to the Galatian church that we just read a little bit from a few moments ago. And this is our final sermon in the series uh, on the Holy Spirit that we've been doing these past several weeks. Uh, that only the Spirit can set us free. That's kind of where we're going to end this conversation. But perhaps not in the ways we expect him to. Yes, he gives us freedom, but not as the world offers freedom. So we have a lot of ground to cover today. So I have four points in this sermon. If you know me at all, you know, if I'm doing anything more than three points, we're in trouble. So just buckle up, okay, or we're going to move a little fast. Okay, two things we're freed from, and two things we're freed for or to. Okay, two things we're freed from, two things we're freed to. So if you have your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 5. That's where we're going to be this morning. Let me give you a little background here since we're just kind of like jumping into this letter. So interesting note about Paul the Apostle's life. His great, the greatest thorn in his side, if you read his letters, are not uh, the, the pagan Romans who often arrest him. Uh, it is not uh, the Jewish people who fundamentally disagree with him. Uh, about who Jesus is, it is actually false teachers within the Christian movement in the first century who would go around to the churches that he helps to plant and begin teaching another gospel. (laughs) They begin saying, actually, if you really want to follow Jesus, if you want to be a super Christian, you actually have to become Jewish. You need to follow the Old Testament Mosaic law. In particular, you need to be circumcised and you need to eat kosher. You need to become Jewish. And Paul's main point throughout this letter to the Galatians is that that does not set you free. So somebody is selling you a bill of goods. This is not the Christian life. The law does not set you free. Freedom is a gift given by the Spirit. This is okay, verse 18 of chapter 5. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. It's, probably, it's a great summary of this whole letter. The law for Paul was something like training wheels. He, this, is, this is as close a metaphor as I can get to how Paul thought about the law. The law was given to keep us upright until the Holy Spirit came. But the goal of training wheels is not to need them anymore. That's the whole point. That's why they exist. It's actually to surpass them, right? To be free of them. Not in the sense that, that staying upright doesn't matter anymore, But the idea that you've so internalized in your body, in your mind, the balance that the wheels trained you on, that it's now a part of you. You can now keep the bike upright better than you could even with the training wheels, right? And that stays with you. It's internalized. That's why in English we have the phrase, it's like riding a bike. The idea is you can not ride a bike for five years, jump on one, and immediately go. It's so internalized in you. That's the Spirit. He's the training wheels internalized in the life of the believer so that you can actually obey the law of Christ from a new heart. The law of Christ, which is built on the Mosaic law, but surpasses it. This is what Jesus teaches us. So the law, the law isn't a bad thing, according to Paul. It just isn't the point. And it cannot set you free any more than training wheels can set you free. Which is why he looks at the Galatian church and says, why are you putting the training wheels back on when you've got the real thing? 
Now, right, that's all background information. Probably no one in this room is tempted to look at circumcision and a kosher diet as a way to find authentic freedom in life, right? That's just not our problem anymore. But we do try to earn freedom through achievement and earning, which is a very similar idea. Okay, some of us, when we feel unworthy or unloved or unaccepted, whether that's by God or our parents or our peers or our coworkers or whatever, or whoever it is, our answer to that feeling, to that dilemma, is try harder, work harder, do better. Right? Earn more. Go get it. If we want freedom, earn it. You may never say that out loud to yourself. You may have never even had that thought cross your mind. But if you examine your life, if you examine the pattern of your life, the pattern of your relationships, you know that it's true. There's a part of you deep down that thinks God's opinion of you fluctuates and changes depending on how your day is going. Right? And so for you, like a good day, you think God loves me because I worked hard today and I didn't lie on my taxes and I went to church, and I flossed my teeth, right? Whatever, right? I did, I had a good day today. Therefore, God likes me today. I'm going to talk to him. On a bad day, you think, there's no way God loves me today. He's disappointed with me. Therefore, I'm not going to include him in my life because I don't deserve his presence. I don't deserve his attention. He, he wants nothing to do with me, okay? If that pattern sounds familiar, right? You're, you're in a pattern of earning, Okay, but Paul's point is that the Spirit sets us free from earning. Paul asks earlier in Galatians, he says, Did you guys receive the Spirit by obeying the law? No. Did you receive the Spirit by earning from God? No. You receive the Spirit of sonship, daughtership, of adoption and acceptance into God's family by faith in Jesus by trusting him, giving your loyalty to him. And when that happens, the Spirit dwells in you and nothing you do or don't do now changes how God sees you. That's the deal. You're part of the family. The Spirit sets you free from earning anything from God. Now, that doesn't mean we don't put effort into our obedience to God. But those are two, earning and effort are two different things. All of us, I think, if we're, if we're truly honest with ourselves, we, we live at least a part of our lives trying to earn something from somebody. Whether that's from God, it's from other people. And notice with me, that pattern is enslaving. That is not freedom. It's slavery. Trying to be a good person, trying to achieve, will not actually produce the results you want. Only the Spirit can set you free. And the Spirit of God is his promise to you that you will never need to earn anything from him. That's, that's, that's the freedom only the Spirit can give you. But earning isn't our only problem, okay? It's a main problem in the letter to the Galatians, but it's not our only problem. And it's not the only problem Paul addresses here. There's also the flesh, okay? That's a metaphor Paul gives there's often misunderstanding about what Paul means. He talks about the flesh. Uh, sometimes people think that means that, that Paul said the body is a bad thing and it's what causes us to sin. That's not true. Your body is a gift from God. It's designed of God. The flesh is not our physical nature. When Paul talks about the flesh, he's almost using it like a technical term. 
So let me just explain it really quickly. It, 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 the closest I think we get is it means our sinful brokenness that we all share as fallen creatures. From Adam and Eve on, our, our desires, our loves are disordered. We want the wrong things at the wrong times. We want this thing we, that should be down here, we want it first. And this thing that should be up here, like we should love God, we put him way down here. And it leads to all kinds of disordered behavior. Okay, that's the flesh. It's that problem that we all bring to the table, if you really think about it. So with that in mind, listen now to verse 16. Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now skipping to verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul says, the Spirit sets you free, but not to now indulge in these other fleshly things. Because the Spirit sets you free from earning, but he also sets you free from the flesh. Now, what's interesting to me about this list, okay, when when Paul kind of gives examples, here's what fleshly living kind of looks like. He actually has like two kinds of things, and he mixes them together without distinction. But if you pay attention, he has what, especially if you grew up in the church, what we would call like a worldly list of, of stuff. But then he also has kind of a churchy list of stuff. Here's what I mean, okay? He's saying this to churches that are very much a part of the Greco-Roman world, the Greco-Roman culture, okay? Which is in many ways very similar to our culture today. And uh, he's saying, you will not find freedom in indulgence and pleasure-seeking like the Greco-Roman world tells you you can. He says, you will not find happiness, you will not find freedom in promiscuity and impurity and sensuality and idolatry and drunkenness and partying. There's, There's no freedom there. So Paul, to our, right, YOLO culture, to our you-do-you culture, he has a harsh word here. He says, that will not do what it promises to do in your life. That won't set you free. And if you're like a church person, you nod along to that. You say, no, that's, that's all the bad stuff. But Paul also says, he says things like enmity and strife and jealousy and anger and rivalry and dissension and division are just as fleshy as that other stuff. Okay? These are also not the freedom the Spirit gives. And if we're honest, right, this is true everywhere, but this is, we, you know, church can be notorious for those kind of problems. Right? These, they're, they're, in other words, Paul's saying there are no acceptable sins in life with the Spirit. They're all bad, and we all need freedom from them. And the Spirit means to rid us of them. Now, what both of those kind of lists have in common, right, Paul doesn't make this distinction, what this entire list has in common about the flesh is that the flesh is insatiable, okay? The key characteristic, I think, of the flesh is that the desires of the flesh are never done. They're never satisfied. It's never enough. There's never rest. There's never peace. There's never freedom. This is why on the one hand, right, like famous people like Jim Carrey, or he, I love this quote. He was being interviewed and he said, I wish everybody could get everything they ever wanted so they could see 
how empty that is. How dissatisfying that is by itself. It doesn't, it doesn't give the freedom that it promises to give. It's also why, okay, on the other hand, people, kind of, let's focus on the church here for a second, people who, who left their last church for bad reasons will leave their next church for bad reasons. There are good reasons. Listen to me say, as a, as, as a pastor, let me say, there are good reasons to leave a spiritual community. There are. Um, but when we indulge in the divisive desires of the flesh, be they dissension or rivalry or strife, those things are also never satisfied. And I'm not trying to be mean here, but this is important, okay? Because maybe we all know the person who walks around in life and cannot find community, can't stay anywhere, can't commit anywhere, not because they're shy or they're introverted or whatever, but because they ruin their relationships with these desires of the flesh and they blame everybody around them for it, right? Or they're so consumeristic when it comes to church that the second, or community, that the second that need isn't met or something uncomfortable happens, rather than dealing with that in a healthy way, like a conversation, uh, they, they disengage or they outright attack, okay? That too is gratifying the desire of the flesh, and it enslaves us. And either way, okay, if you make gratifying the flesh the center of your life, if that's what you're about, what you'll find is that it's never done. It's never over. There is just the next hit, the next high, the next church, the next gossip, the next conflict. Over and over and over and over again. Okay, so the, the Spirit frees us from earning and from the flesh. What does he free us to? What does he free us to? Okay, the first of those. He, the Spirit frees us to fruit. <laughs> Notice when Paul says the flesh, there's works of the flesh. The flesh makes you work. The fruit of the Spirit is different, right? There's fruit of the Spirit. He fruits you, which sounds weird, but it's true. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So right, Paul points out that the Spirit produces fruit in you, growth and change into more and more Christ-likeness, become more like Jesus, and that is what sets you free. Notice with me the contrasts between fruit and flesh that Paul alludes to here. Okay? The flesh is immediate gratification. Pleasure now, anger now, division now. Whereas fruit is gradual. And it's even hard to notice. I can stare at an apple on a tree for a day and I, I won't see anything. Right? But I can measure its growth over time. This is why the flesh and the fruit are so tricky, I think. Because the flesh... Because of its immediacy, it feels like freedom in the moment, but it enslaves over time. Okay? Whereas the fruit never feels like freedom in the moment. Right? When's the, the last time you were patient with someone when it was really hard, did you feel free? No. So it feels like a constraint in the moment, but it's freeing over time. They work the exact opposite way. Okay, similarly, the, the flesh is, 
is evergreen. It's always available, but fruit is seasonal and requires patience. Okay, you can always get a work of the flesh in your life. It's always available to you at any moment. But you have to wait for fruit. Now, we hardly pick up on this in our, in our culture today because you can go to a grocery store and you can get any fruit you want any time of year. When this was written, that was not true. Okay, fruit is seasonal and it's regional. Right? The, the reader of Paul would have understood immediately that patience is required to see the work of the Spirit in your life. This is another contrast, okay? Notice when Paul talks about the flesh, he talks about you and me, right? The fruit is the Spirit. The flesh is you, okay? Notice in verse 16, he says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, Paul's point here is when the, when the, when the flesh is gratified or, or, or indulged in, you did it. That was your choice. It was your action. It was your behavior. But the fruit of freedom is a gift of the Spirit. This is Paul's point. We cultivate the ground for the Spirit's work. Okay, and I'm going to get to that. But we cannot cause anything to grow. Any more than if you ask a farmer, they don't cause anything to grow. Okay, the farmer knows that the, the growth part is somebody else's job. We don't cause our growth either in Christ. The Spirit does. And this is part of why spiritual community is so important, because it's only in community that others can help you see that growth. That's a hard thing to do on your own. Right? It's hard to just stare at the apple. You need other people to help you. Hold that thought. We'll come back to that. Another contrast here between these two things. The flesh, as we said, is never satisfied. It's never done. But the fruit always wins. Right? The, the flesh is never satisfied, but the fruit will always win. The, the inevitability of the fruit of the Spirit winning in your life is as inevitable as this picture. Who looks like it's winning here, the concrete or the plant? If we come back in 30 years, who's going to be winning? right? This is what the Spirit work, the Spirit's work in your life looks and feels like. Even in the moment, it may not feel like growth, but we should be able to look back over time and see growth. There are moments in our lives we should see gentleness when in the years past you would have seen harshness or bitterness or courage instead of passive aggression or patience, instead of seething anger, okay? There should be moments when those closest to you, be they friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, who point out both where you need to grow, where they see the flesh at work in your life, or earning at work in your life, and who encourage you about where the Spirit is helping you to grow in ways that you don't feel or notice anymore, Right, remember, you can train as an athlete for over a year. If you ask the athlete, do you feel faster? They're going to say no. But when you measure it, you'll see, yes, you are. You got stronger. You got faster. You need other people right, to help you to do that. Because that kind of growth should be as natural to the Christian as growing in height is natural to a child. Right? You can't stop it. It's inevitable. It fluctuates, it surges, and it slows, for sure. Sometimes it's mysterious, 
but it happens. Okay, last contrast, and, and, and this is, I think, Paul's overall point. This, this is why this, this whole conversation is here. The flesh is always for you. It's for you. Whatever it looks like, this is the acid test for a work of the flesh in your life. Whatever it is, whether it's outright idolatry, right, loving something before God or before your neighbor in harmful ways, uh, needless arguing, material indulgence, whatever it is, you're doing it for you. Your satisfaction, your pleasure, your comfort. The fruit, in contrast, is always for others. Look at this list again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Every one of those is about other people. These are internal characteristics that are made manifest in how we treat other people. That's what these are. That's the kind of freedom the Spirit gives. So the Spirit sets us free, to, like He fruits us, but with a very specific purpose. The Spirit frees us to serve sacrificially. If you read this whole section together, you, you understand this is actually Paul's entire point. Right? We often get caught up in, the, in, the, in the, the list of the fruit and the works of the flesh, and those are interesting and important. But this whole thing is set up this way. Verse 13, you were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Look what he contrasts with the flesh. But through love serve one another. This is the contrast. Flesh is about you. Fruit is about others. For the whole law is fulfilled in one command. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is teaching straight from Jesus, who summarized the law, says love God and love your neighbor. Paul's concern for this church, at least one of them, revolves around Christians using their freedom to divide and to argue and to cause unnecessary conflict instead of serving one another even when it had to be done at their expense or their preference and the, or to their discomfort. Paul has to remind and point out that the fruit of the Spirit is for others. The Spirit doesn't set us free for us. He sets us free for others. Here's the thing. When, when the, right? Freedom is a, is, a, is a word that's used a lot in our culture. And it means a lot of different things. For the Christian community, okay, if we take this seriously, we must understand that Christian freedom is never, ever, ever about you. Never. The Spirit sets us free for the express purpose of loving our neighbor as ourselves. It's about them. This is why Jesus himself can say, only he who loses his life will find it. Only the person who no longer needs the gratification of the flesh gives uh, will actually find the freedom that they need. Freedom for others, self-denial, service. This is, the, this is the distinct marker of the Spirit's freedom in the Christian life. Okay, You want to walk in the Spirit? Serve other people. You want to you live in the Spirit? Serve other people. Keep in step with the Spirit? Serve other people. Now, this is not to say that Christians shouldn't practice self-care. Right? These, these can be manipulated. It's not to say you let people uh, use you or manipulate you or guilt you into doing unhealthy things for them. 
because you're supposed to serve other people. That's not what Paul means. But it is to say that when we consider our lives and our choices, that our posture in this life, our default must be to serve and to serve sacrificially because we're free to do so. And as believers, we must be known, we, we should not be known more for demanding our rights as individuals than we are known for sacrificial love and service to our neighbor. That is what we must be known for. This is why we've been set free. And here's why. Here's how we know this, that this must be our, the same spirit, the same spirit who empowers the life of every believer, who dwells within every believer, also empowered this person. This person who, as Paul put it in Philippians, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul's point here is the person we follow and the spirit who empowers us to be more like him took all of his power, his freedom, his virtue, his patience, his kindness, his goodness, and he leveraged it for you. Not for him, for you. If you are in Christ, if you believe in Jesus, this is what you believe happened in him for you. And the Spirit sets us free, not the law, not the flesh, but the Spirit produces fruit in us to be like him in how we serve one another. His freedom was not for him, which means our freedom is not for us. Now, right, we're all in progress. We're all, we're all working toward that goal. But imagine, imagine what God can do with a church, what God can do with a believer. Growing in the fruit of the Spirit, using her freedom for her neighbor, for her coworker, for her family, Lord willing, even for her enemy. I don't care how much brokenness and concrete is poured over that kind of person, right? The Spirit's going to use that person to win that war. May it be so for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the freedom we have in your Son, Jesus. But Holy Spirit, cultivate in us the fruit of that we need. We cannot do this without you. Only you can do this work. Cultivate in us, your people, the fruit that makes us love and serve like Jesus did. In every calling, in every space you've placed us, bear fruit among us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.